0: WARNING! WARNING, Warning, THIS IS AN EMERGENCY, AN EMERGENCY, WE NEED URGENCY, WARNING, THIS IS AN EMERGENCY So, no, thank you. That's probably why he's not coming to the, the podcasts or the stuff anymore, because he's, he's doing the the midnight love rush. Yeah, we're calling you out, Ed. <laughs> All
1: right. So we're here, Funatsu. We're here at uh, Fuha Rock down in Humatek. Um, and we'll be podcasting so long as the weather and the children permit. Um, <laughs> so we got a light drizzle going on, but it's a beautiful day. Um, there's no one else here. We're the only humans, as far as I can tell, for miles. Um, yeah, it's, it's always great to be here. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar, this is a, a very uh, spiritual and a very sacred spot. And, um, Mighet could probably go over that on air. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah.
0: Half a, and half a day. Todos Samzu bueno. If you have not been to, to Fu'a Bay, Lasso Fuha, Fuha Rock, um, you definitely should. Especially if you are a Chamorro, but even if you're not a Chamorro, but you call Guam home, it's a great place to kind of just uh, pay respects and feel connected uh, to this island. Um, it's there's a lot of different interpretations of of this history. Just and so, um, but I'll just for for brevity, I'll the creation story of the Chamorro people. There's different versions of it. Um, but it focuses around two figures, Puntan and Fauna, brothers and sisters, Punt, great beings um, who came from somewhere else, traveled to this part of the world long ago before any of this was here. And the, the journey made Puntan sick. And so he told his sister, Fauna, he said, please, Uh, Just take take this body of mine and create something beautiful here. Fauna complied after her brother died. And so she took his eyeballs, and from those eyeballs she made the sun and the moon, and she then took... um, Now, this is where different versions come in. In some she took his back and she took his shoulders, made the sky, his back, and made the land Um, in some the the eyebrows come off and they get made into rainbows or isa in the sky Um, in my children's favorite version Fauna reaches into her brother's doggin, takes out his farts and then they become the thunder in the sky and you can hear my children giggling in the background perhaps if the mic is picking up their giggling their minion like giggling And then also, um, so Fauna then is left sort of with this new land that she's created. And in some of the versions, she creates all of the world. And in others, she just creates this island or the Marianas Islands. But ultimately, she is drained so much by this as well. And so she uses her energy to give life to what she has created. And so from her, we can say then come the fish in the sea, the animals, the birds on the land. And then, of course, the people. So, where we are at now, Fu'a Rock, the stories say that this is her body. And that after all of her life force had been drained out, she rested here. And from the ground beneath us, the first Chamorros emerged. And so, I may be sitting on where my great-great-great-great to the thousandth power grandfather or grandmother came out of the ground. And so... In ancient times, the Spanish documented that Chamorros would travel to a place such as this and they would pay respects to their ancestors here. Now, as we know, uh, the Spanish came in and changed a bunch of stuff, forced a bunch of stuff on the Chamorro people, and the Chamorro people adapted, did their best to survive. And so this area they stopped going to for a while, at least in the same way. They stopped coming here to pay tribute to their ancestors. But we do know that they believed this place to be very strongly spiritual. So if you ask sort of the older people in Yomadek, which is the closest village to this, to this site, they would say, you know, don't go over there. That's the, the Tautamona over there are really bad. Tautamona over there are really strong. Although one of my favorite pieces of oral history that I've ever heard about this place, though, is that if you were a woman and you were married to a man who was, as the ancient Chamorro said, shooting blanks, They didn't say that. They didn't say shooting blanks. Maybe they would say shooting without a sling stone or something like that. But you you wanted to get pregnant. You could come here and you could uh, go and sit on the rock, climb on the rock. You could uh, pay a tribute here. You could say a prayer. There's all sorts of different stories of women coming over here. But just connecting this site to fertility... Which would be interesting, because Chamorros in ancient times would have done the same thing because of the association with Fauna. And so, um, but just a couple years ago, Chamorros began to reconnect to the site in the same way that they did in the past with what's called luk- Lukal, Fua. And so that is a pilgrimage taken at the start of every year, because the Chamorro calendar has 13 months, and then... The calendar that most of us um, buy at the start of the year and then don't fill out by, towards the end of the year is, um, has 12 months. And so around this time, maybe a couple weeks or ago, that's the start of the Chamorro uh, year with the month of Tumayguini. And so people started coming here and they did it for three years in a row, although this year... Um, I don't think that a lukau is planned. And so I guess we just decided to to lukau our way over here. Man, lukau ham maugi pauguna And so just wanted to give you uh, some of the the background on this place. And so if you do want to come here, please always remember to be very respectful, though. Very respectful. Um, Because this is a place where this is not like, um, you know, some of the other sites where... People know about it and hikers go there and, and so on. Like, you won't find any Japanese tourists here. You, if you find sort of a, a military family here, then they are totally lost and you should help them because there's really no way that they would end up here on purpose. So, in a way, so if you do come here, please do because it is a great experience. Because if you stay here for a little while and you kind of turn off your phone... Close your eyes and just kind of lie here in this shaded groove under these under these goggle trees, you can feel them and you can hear them you can hear uh the ants you can hear our ancestors and you may be able to hear my children chewing as yeah. well. I'm sorry about that
1: <laughs> yeah, oh well yeah uh so one of the reasons why we're here also is because uh just said uh this is oh yeah, we need this uh just said uh, hasn't been here before and Obviously, this is a place of uh, great importance, and you've been here uh, back on Guam for what, uh, maybe eight months now, total, or? No, about six, almost eight, about seven. Almost eight years. months. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think uh, also on a, on another level, at least for me, like why it's so uh, great being here again after two years is that uh, I feel like I, I've been caught up in. Um, you know, just uh, my academic life, and you know, it's really easy to get trapped in the books and uh, in literature and all these things. But um, to be able to reconnect with uh, the natural environment and, um, I guess, the universe—you could say—like it's uh, it's super important for for the human soul. So, but uh, so, just said uh, this is your first time here. What, what's your, how would you describe your experience?
2: You know, it's it's really interesting because. This is my first time here. This is actually also my first hike um, ever, um, ever on the island. And, um, and I think it's just interesting because, you know, from just what we were, we were talking about on the way here, you know, this really is all about being the first. And um, my drive down here, uh, just coming over the hill, I got, you know, kind of like just something in my, you know, my gut was just really uh, pulling at me. And it was just really emotional because my dad, um, his family, my, my grandfather is actually from Pneumatic. and, uh, I grew up literally, um, you know, playing basketball right there at the mayor's office, right there by Umatic Bay. Um, and a lot of, a lot of uh, memories there. And, um, and so it's interesting because my mom, who's also from Sunahunya, um, my mom and my dad i'm i'm actually their their first their first child and so you know to come here this being my first hike um just my first experience and uh it's just and it's just really moving i'm mean, in such a peaceful and calm and calm environment and um it just allows me to i think just to reflect and just to experience this with with all of you guys it's just it's it's amazing you know and and so yeah, I'm just very, I'm just very blessed for this for this opportunity.
1: What about you, Beck? Th- this isn't your first time here, right? No, this is been- my first. time. Oh wow.
3: Yeah. So you know, it's it's really important for me to start first. You know, uh, as a white settler, recognizing the Indigenous Chamorro land um, before I begin speaking. You know, and just being here. Uh, this is never a space I would come to unless I was invited, um, and it's very sacred. And I know this. You know, and so asking for permission to come into the land to to um, enter and leave safety, safely is um, you know, something I take very seriously, and um, respecting and the space and being quiet, and um, learning about the histories, and really just um, respecting the, the sacredness of it. Yeah.
0: And so, you have been here before. Yes. And I know you were on the, the Lukao. Right? The, the first lookout that we had a couple years back? Yeah. That was uh, maybe
1: 2014.
0: I, I think so. Yeah. And so, now, what are your thoughts? Because you haven't been back since then. Mm-hmm. And so, also since then, you've con- under awakening or transformation. Yeah. You become sort of a, a lot more openly critical and mm-hmm. sort of. A, and so, what is it like then? especially in terms of decolonization and independence. Like what is it, what is it like coming back to a place like this?
1: There's a lot of different ways we could, we can take this conversation for myself. Cause, uh, in that time, not only have I gone like, uh, this academic transformation, I want to say that uh, I've also, uh, maybe experimented with, uh, some psychedelics. So, <laughs> so nice. yeah. Um, my, my, my view on, on many things has uh, changed. And, um, uh I don't know uh, we talk about being uh, being radical, uh, getting back to the root. Um, how about getting back to the root of your existence <laughs> so and the the nature of life and all these things So that's something that uh that bothered me for a while almost I feel like it almost drove me insane for a couple months just uh, contemplating the nature of life and uh all of that and then so there, there's that aspect of uh, my spirituality but then, uh, to be, to be in the books, to be, uh, writing academic texts and be, to be, uh, like super pragmatic and, um, you know, all of that. They're, uh, they feel like two competing forces, um, at times. But, um, I think, uh, you know, for, for myself being, a, uh, an indigenous person, uh, being able to, to, uh, utilize and balance both of those things harmoniously and, um, I, I like to I like to reference it a lot, but uh, Corbin Car- or Carlisle Corbin's uh, um, the island ethos. Like, uh, there's a reason why uh, I gravitated to that, even if it's just a passage in his uh, his speech. Um, it's not something that he dwells on um, significantly in his uh, writing, but um, it's there, and uh, I gravitated to that for a reason. And uh, he was saying that um, you know, for all Indigenous people, there is this connection to your natural environment, to the universe. And uh, it plays a role in who we are, and uh, I think it's it's beautiful to know that. Um, uh, I think a lot of a lot of Westerners, a lot of um, Western mindsets, will will pass off uh, spirituality and uh, um, native native culture and traditions as uh, being a, a little woo woo, uh, you know. Uh, it's uh, it's myth in the sense that uh, it's separated from uh, the realm of reality, but that's that's not the case, and that's what Carlisle Corbin is saying and um i just i think that's it's super uh it's beautiful yeah so i guess for for myself being here i i climbed up to i climbed up about one fourth of uh the rock and you know i, I wasn't sure if i was being disrespectful or not but uh, i felt like uh, i was doing it from a good place i'm here to um to uh pay tribute and to to reflect on things um and I was certainly able to do that from from my stance on the rock, and um, I wasn't doing it from a bad place. I should say, like I was uh, that was the the best way for myself to to appreciate being here. And so for others, it might be um, it might be as simple or as easy as uh, just uh, touching the rock, or even just breathing the air around here, which is beautiful. But uh, I felt like for myself, that was the best way to pay tribute to this place.
3: I think for me coming coming here for the first time as a as a white settler, you know, I, I would I would never climb the rock, you know. I would only um you know, I would I would never put my my body there because it's just it's such a sacred place, right? But I think it's so beautiful that um like you said that that, that there can be um this indigenous understanding and a type of respect yeah. and knowing that um that I am also outside of that, right? right? And so then what might be right for you might not be correct for me, right? Yeah. And so um, it's also respecting that space, you know? Yeah. Um, but to kind of get back to what you were saying about um, Carlyle Corbin's idea of island ethos, I also really am... Um, Intrigued by that idea because I feel like it's something that can bring um, relational experiences of uh, of island um, identity and a resistance to different types of colonialisms and militarism um, to different island spaces, right? Mm-hmm. So definitely, it's an, an expansive notion that can be um, applied to multiple areas. You know, like yeah. uh, definitely for Hawaii and you know, and, and Puerto Rico and other places around the Pacific and around the Caribbean too. So it's a it's a very beautiful. Um, Uh, a way of thinking of uh, space and time.
1: We've been having uh, Chamorro classes pretty consistently for the past uh, four weekends. And, um, you know, interestingly, one of the things in in the Chamorro language is, uh, as uh, Miguel was saying, is um, there is no past. There is no past tense. There is only the future and the non-future. And um, if you're thinking about that strictly from a a language stance, then, um, you know, it seems pretty cut and dry, but um you know language language reflects uh reality language reflects uh, how we view the world how we view time space language has um language shapes uh thinking and reality so if that's the case i mean i'm pretty sure there's other ways you can look at at time and space uh research um here uh for for tomorrow's but i mean if that's the case if there's no past there's only the future then time is uh Time is just this never-ending uh, uh, flow, really, a uh, uh, never-ending um, a stream. And uh, where are we? Where are we situated in that in that stream? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Becca's making uh hand hand, hand gestures here, but uh, yeah, well, yeah. Man,
0: totally, totally, dude. Yeah. I know, yeah. <laughs> no, but it is a it is a fair point because as we were talking about, so there is a so a movement to kind of. Uh, rename fauna or fua as fortna um, because uh, it's hard to exactly figure out uh, where, the, you know, where it comes from and so a theory which does which would make a lot of sense is that fauna comes from the word fortna which means ahead or front and it's the root word for stuff and it's the root word for words such as tau finetna um, like all sorts of words dealing with ahead in the future and then ahead in the past. And so that's, that's why um, it's a good reminder then, as you're talking about time and space. Just that idea that uh, Western, you know, the Western world um, is, especially sort of modernity, is based on this idea that there is a linear and there is a teleological positivistic, teleological sort of flow of history, that idea that things are moving in a certain direction and it's ordained by God or by science or something that they move in that certain direction. And the problem with that idea, though, is, of course, um, if you're not part of the, that arrow of progress, then it means you're an indigenous person and you're going to disappear, or you got to give up your land to make way for somebody who knows how to use it to build something that the future will be based on, um, that everything just is meant to disappear and then we're all going to become sort of modern modern subjects and so on. And that's problematic. It's a fantasy. To quote sort of the, the Italian uh, anthropologist Bruno Latour, like we have never been modern because modernity is based on like these fantasies about human reality. That idea that so the idea that we could be beings based on science I mean if you look at the United States right now it does not seem like the United States is based much on science especially if you look at those at the top. I mean you got you got guys in charge of science in the Congress who believe that angels will protect us from the rising waters. Oh Lord we just got to pray the climate change away. No, I'm not joking at all. I wish I was joking. I wish I was joking. But, and so, the thing is, um, and then language. So, it's interesting if you, if you ever read Bruno Latour's book, It's it can be a little bit dense, but it's it's really, really interesting because there's all of these guys, um, Francis Bacon, John Locke, um, all of these fancy fancy, long dead sort of shades of white guys who all posited that modern thinking would change everything. And then so they all posited that, for example, Francis Bacon said, we will become modern once we can separate the scientific from the political. So that that science is a pure realm in which it's just about knowledge and truth and the political does not intrude. That doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. As, as much as somebody might say, But a computer is just based on ones and zeros and binary stuff. It's all just numbers. It's kind of like, no, the parts for computers still come from parts of the the world where where dictatorial regimes oppress people in order to put those things into your fancy iPhones and iPads and stuff. The political is absolutely there. It's not just a device created by modernity. And then John Locke himself basically said that... uh, modernity will be, like, we will be modern when we can when we can purify language, when we can purge language from all vagaries or all inconsistencies. That doesn't happen. I mean, he was basically alluding to how if everyone spoke the way the elite English do, then we'll be modern. So you got to kind of you got to kind of teach all of the rest of the people to talk the fancy ways that we talk, and then we will be enlightened and we will be modern. So all of that is very... See, the thing is that the, the arrow, the progressive arrow of history is very beneficial if you have power, because it basically becomes justification for knocking everyone else aside, basically saying, you are in my way. You are going to be the fuel for the fires in which something greater is born. That is your purpose. Now, indigenous people, oh yeah, manifest destiny. Indigenous people, for the most part, tend to not believe in that sort of thing, right? Because, and it's weird because when we look at the modern world, there's like this like awakening of consciousness around like all these people coming to terms with things that people have known forever already but you were too busy looking down on them or you were too busy pointing at their susu while they walk around their villages or you were too busy sort of stealing their dream catchers. You were too busy taking their land to just listen to what they were saying. Like the upward arrow, the always extracting, expanding, the always creating, it has a purpose, but it's not the end goal. The purpose of life is not to extract and to destroy and to make anew. The purpose of life is to sustain. There's no purpose otherwise. You can sustain it in ways, and so when we look at sort of that Chamorro idea of fortna, that that which is ahead of us in time is also ahead of us in the past, meaning that the past and the future are closely related, we find that in so many indigenous cultures, and it's a reminder. It's a reminder that, as we as we were talking about in in tomorrow class yesterday, which means, of course, that you shouldn't trust tomorrow, because tomorrow's not yours. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow belongs to your children, you know, just as, just as today belonged to your ancestors. And so, And so it's a, it's a good reminder for us, sort of to come to a place like this. To reflect, as you said, the language that we use, the language that we came from, which sort of keys in on these ideas, which then, even if we're not aware of it, inform our own activism and our own resistance. Because that idea, if we look, for example, at militarization, because we had a forum at UOG this past week which talked about nuclear weapons, and nuclear weapons are one of those things which are definitely about how history moves only in one direction and you should never look back. I mean, Donald Trump is the perfect metaphor for that because whenever people ask Donald Trump, you know, you kind of said horrible things. Are you going to apologize? I don't believe in looking back. What's the good in looking back? But you you look at what nuclear weapons do and nuclear weapons and nuclear radiation basically make it so that it's the creation of poisons that will outlive the human race. It creates a spot like there are certain places in the world because of contamination where people can't live for probably thousands of years. Now, that's the type of thing which you're supposed to reach that point and you're supposed to say, holy crap, whoa, we just like we just like peeked into the sort of the death chest in God's study. We got to turn back and be, oh, no, what have we done? But, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So that's why the, the indigenous conversation is so important, but not in terms of appropriation. That's the way that it's always been about before, is that sort of you, you, you see the way that indigenous people do it and then you, you appropriate, you take it in. Um, it can't be like that. That continues the same cycle. That idea that, oh, you are a knight, so I extracted your land... You know, I took your land, I extracted from it. Now I will extract your culture as well. I will extract your philosophy, your cosmology. And so, um, yes, this was a very long rambling way of me saying <laughs> that it's good to come to a place like this to get that repositioning because believing in sort of the circular nature of history or a spiral history or something, it doesn't, it doesn't mean sort of that nothing changes But it means, though, that as you look to the future, you also have to look back. And as you look back, you also have to think to the future. Is that the Itautaumotna, those who came before, are also Itautaumotna, those who are in the future as well. And so um, just important reminders and definitely things which animate sort of the activism and the critiques of of a number of us here. So
1: uh, you were here with uh, Miguel when he came uh, on Monday, right?
4: Yes, with the Japanese dance group. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, so I've been here a few times, and the very first time I came, and I think the second time as well, it was with that Lukau Fua that had been organized by Hanasu and some of those groups. And they had opened it up to the whole community. <laughs> they'd opened it up to the whole community, and I felt, you know, I was new to the island, and I felt I would have felt very hesitant, right, about just inviting myself along or something like that, um, being white, being outsider, and and so I just appreciated that, though. And I think there were a few, a few, <laughs> other white people on that hike, and I think having been here, you know, only a few years, like almost five years now, but um, I think if more people who were white were aware of this sort of thing and they were more educated they learned more about the culture, they had more respect for the culture. We would have a very different social organization on this island because too often people come and they just sort of dip their toe in the surface and they have no they have no real understanding and when you have no real understand, not that I am claiming that I have that yet, but if you are not attempting to have an understanding of the other, you cannot have respect for the other and to me that is a problem and so I just, I really, yeah, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still understanding. But for me, it's it's about how can I coexist, right? And I kind of, some of the stuff Becca was talking about, of course, you know, I'm in a very similar position. I feel very similar. You know, should I even be here? I ask myself that a lot. Like, should I be on this island, following in the footsteps of colonizers, right? Even before I came here, I was, you know, I was watching documentaries. I was reading Maget's blog, Right. I I was like, "Oh, why am I <laughs> what am I doing?" right? Um and so but, you know, if here as Hanani K. Trask will say, right? If you read her um if you read her, "Is there a place for white people for quote howley to be allies?" And she says, "Yes. <laughs> there is a place. You know, they can stand up for us against other white people. They can resist institutionalized white supremacy." Um they, they that's what she says. And so I try to think about how I can be an ally in that way, but I, I did. I really, I really appreciate them doing the blue kaufua and inviting the whole community. I thought that was an amazing decision to make, and so and it, it, it's it can be educational. And I think you know, I don't know how many white people <laughs> are listening to these podcasts, but you should, okay? And you should, you should, you should try to get more of a sense for where you are and, and for the people where you are, right? And to connect to the people where you are. That's what's that's what's important. If if every white person on this island heard the story of Punta and and took it seriously and respected it, you know, that would really change people's mindsets, I think. Just something as simple as that, that one story, if people understood that. And they weren't just like reading a book, oh, it's a cute story, you know. <laughs> yeah. That sort of. Answer. Yeah. And there's some, you know, a lot of people go on these hikes as adventures they go scuba diving like they go on the hike the same way they go scuba diving like it's just a tourist thing to do but if you're doing it because you're connected to the community all of a sudden <laughs> you have a different relationship to being here you actually care about people's well-being it's not just oh i you know the flowers the trees although that is all very beautiful right because full rock is not just a rock that's the point yeah
1: nice all right. Kids.
0: That's, that's lost cause, lost cause. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, here. What questions cuz if we if we tell them the questions then they'll feel more comfortable ahead of time so they can think about it. And how
2: was it climbing the rock and then and what made you climb the rock? Chu I just like climbing rocks. You, mean you like climbing? Dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, let's, let's wait. Okay, wait, Hold on. Let's um
1: I mean just the fact that they're here and they can uh, appreciate just being out. Uh, I tried to get my daughter to come, but um, she preferred to go to Epal Beach, you know, a manicured um, space. That's, uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> right? So, Hanging
0: out with former and current colonizers at Epal right? Beach. I know. <laughs>
1: it's terrible. Yeah, I, I feel like we, we covered good, good ground uh, if you guys want to talk about anything else. But I do want to say, uh, one of the things that I thought about too was uh, activism. Sometimes um, we can come off as a... Uh, being uh emotional and uh, uh emotionally driven especially when that emotion is uh expressed as a uh, anger and frustration at um the injustices that occur but um i think at the root of it all uh, what, what drives all of us activists um uh, advocates environmentalists um all of these things it's a uh, it's love i think it's 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 a deep rooted love for where you are, who you are, uh the people you belong to, um the environment that you 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 inhabit, the air you breathe. Uh it's a, it's a love for all of these things that drives all of us. And um I think that's what it is for me is uh, I love I love this island. Like I I love traveling, but being up there on the rock and seeing uh, the the tides converge and you know Life is beautiful. This place is beautiful. This island is beautiful. I love our people. I love all of this, and that's what that's what really drives me. Anyone want to ride that wave, or
0: <laughs> set? Where everyone is pointing at Josette. Everyone is looking at Josette and saying, saying "Juliana." No. I mean,
2: he was speaking from the heart. <laughs> I think there's a lot of things that can be um, can be left um, on that note but i think it's also more important about i think it's also more important about like what we take away from it you know and what we continue to invest in it as well um and so i just feel that um it's about remembering where we came from remembering where we're going remembering who has been a part of that journey um, and who has continually guided us and who continues to mirror reflect for us that passion, that emotion, um, the desire to want to be more rooted, you know, and want to want to understand the love, you know, because it's it's I think love is love is intangible, you know, and um, it's very it's very innate, but it comes it comes in different forms. And when you when you feel it, Um, you know, just embrace it, you know, but embrace the struggles and embrace the journey that you've walked um, and embrace where you're going. And at the same time, just admire the beauty of where you're at, you know, and really of who you are. And so for me, it's coming back um, in some ways to my own, my own family roots, you know, and ancestral roots and cultural roots and to be able to pay homage to the people who have really impacted my life. Um, and some of you guys are really you know really with me here today and and so it is' it's about remembering my um my grandmother and you know like my nana and my my loved ones who have passed on, but also to remember people who are with me today who are part of that family unit and um who will continue to i guess plant roots and seeds you know for the future generations of, of our families. And so for me, that's really what I take away from it. It's, um, you know, this isn't, this isn't history. You know, I guess it's more of, it's more of just the beginning, you know, of, of new chapters and of new journeys and of new life to come.
1: Beautiful. Well, that's that's finetsu, folks. Uh, I didn't cry on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not, yet. Not
3: yet. Yeah, Right, yeah.
1: No, this was good, man. Um, I'm especially thankful for uh, being here with all of you. So, and I'm very, very grateful for those of you who uh, continue to listen to uh, our ramblings and whatnot. So, thank you. I love you guys. Bye. Fanatsu is created by the Media Committee of Independent Guahan. Independent Guahan's mission is to empower the Chamorro people to reclaim their sovereignty as a nation. Inspired by the strength of their ancestors and with the love for future generations, they seek to educate and unify all who call Guam home in order to build a sustainable and prosperous independent future. Feedback and questions can be sent to independentguahan at gmail.com, all one word. For more information, head to www.independentguahan.com or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Ini independent guahan.
0: Para ba ina famataknya yeman tomoru. Pau tetuli tatt ida rutota komo un neson gihilutanu. Ini minegud nihai yimanya nata, janing guinai zata no ifamkomta mona. Ina keke fan munung, denna keke siha, ni manyasaga gi inenaton. na let fetna Iza guahan, ni todu inina snyata, kosiki sinyata fan latla maulek motna. Fanatsu hitala matu.